Is there a proper way to do it or is there a way you can, you can screw it up? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there is. There's a proper way and there is a way to screw it up. Yes. What is up, Mentors Collective? On this episode, I've got a really special guest for you. Uh, works in a very similar industry to what I do, doing what I love. Uh, someone I look up to who's got an awesome column. Um, Stephanie Burns is the founder of The Wild Agency, an amplification and visibility agency focused on building the legacy and personal brands of company founders. She's got a background in brand building, media buying, strategy, and entrepreneurship. She has wide experience with a large portfolio of industries. And after being a contestant on the Wheel of Fortune, she's used her winnings to launch her previous company, Chic CEO, an online resource for over 100,000 female entrepreneurs. She's got an MBA in marketing. And uh, most importantly for me, she's a contributor at Forbes Women Entrepreneur and has been featured in multiple press outlets like Inc., Fast Company, Wall Street Journal, Vox Business, Cosmo, New York Times, among others. We're very lucky to have her today. We're going to be talking about something that we haven't discussed yet on this podcast. And we were talking about it briefly, and I'm super excited to talk about this specific topic that we'll get into in a second. But I wanted to introduce and thank you, Stephanie Burns, for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much, Jay. I'm so happy to be here. And we are happy to have you. And not only are you this wildly accomplished person uh, with a, a a column that you publish on almost daily. I'm, I can't tell you how impressed I am with that. Uh, but this this idea, this notion of unreasonable requests that we just talked about in uh, kind of the the pre episode here has me pretty excited, and I think our listeners are gonna gonna really get a kick out of this. And it wasn't what I thought of, you know, when I was asking you uh, what unreasonable requests were. Uh, and I'm pleasantly surprised and excited to dive into it. Uh, but before we do, I uh, would love to just kind of hear a little bit about your background and how you landed at this idea of unreasonable requests. And yeah, sure. Go ahead. So, oh, about um, well, 2010 or so, you know, 11-ish years ago, um, I launched my first company, Chic CEO, and we were um, an online resource for female entrepreneurs. After I launched the company. Uh, I brought on a business partner, my my friend Jody, and Jody and I had there was no money, right? There was there was nothing. It, I took all of 2010 to create, write, um, you know, dream up and publish Chic CEO, and I like you mentioned, I used my winnings from being on the game show Wheel of Fortune to launch and create the website. So when the website was up and running, we were effectively out of money to start. (laughs) So Jody and I would go to networking events probably four to five times a week, breakfast events, cocktail hours, all sorts of everything networking in order to try and get the word out about Chic CEO. We were building our email newsletter list and trying to get um, some traction. And during that time, Jody and I would we just kind of decided that we would start asking for some of the things that we needed. Um, And it almost kind of became like a little game to amuse ourselves really. And what happened was people were starting to say yes. And so it, it kind of shocked us both. The first, like the first really big unreasonable request we made was to host our first networking event at the W hotel. So Jody had called the W and asked, if we could host an event 
and on like a Wednesday night and they said, yeah, sure. You know, here's our, here's our, you know, food and beverage minimum. And Jody said, well, we don't, yeah, we can't pay that, but we can bring, you know, 50 to a hundred women on a Wednesday night. We just want you to give them a cocktail. And they said, okay, that sounds good. And we were just stunned. We were absolutely stunned. It was a completely unreasonable thing to ask for. But what we found was that what they really wanted was not the money to pay for the food and beverage. It was that we were going to bring 100 women to their venue on a normally slow night. And after, you know, they gave our women a glass of wine, these ladies would typically go up and buy a second. So what we understood at that moment was if we have something of value, we can ask for something of value in return. And so it became this practice of unreasonable requests. And it's just the asking of for big, crazy things that you don't, that you would normally think you'd get a no to and being pleasantly surprised with a yes. So it became a, a kind of a cultural part of our our company. That's fun. And a cool social experiment for sure. And I'm sure there's been some fine tuning along the way and some crazy case studies for these, these asks and requests. Uh, so let's dive a little bit deeper into that. I mean, do you need something of value before you start making these requests? Obviously it helps, you know, when you're coming up to somebody with, uh, an ask and you, you should be able to offer something in return or even first. Uh, before you make that request. But talk to me a little bit about that. You know, at what level can you start making these requests? At any level. And so the the first thing that you need to do is, and, and I've had a few people try to rip this idea off. And it's not, I mean, it's not even something that anybody can rip it off. It's, it's not that big, you know, innovative of an idea. But they go about it the wrong way. You know, some people will start to think about, okay, what do I need? And how can I go get what I want and what I need? And that, um, while that was kind of how we initially started, what we realized was that is the absolute wrong way to go about it. Um, we, in order to make an unreasonable request, the first thing you have to do is to take inventory of your own value, your skill sets, your assets, the thing that things that you have to offer. Because if you don't do that, you will miss out seeing all of the opportunities that are in there in front of you. I call that opportunity spotting. All of those opportunities, there's probably 50 to 60% that you will not see if you don't have an inventory of what you can give first. So if you're always looking for just the things that you need, you'll miss out on a bunch of, of other things that you can, you can probably get that you don't know that you need. So the first, first step is to really inventory. Okay. You know, I can build a website or I have a community of women or um, I have office space in the back that I don't use or I have a truck that I use for deliveries on Mondays and Tuesdays, but it just sits in the parking lot the rest of the week. Um, I'm I can do accounting. So all you need to really inventory all of the things that you have to offer in order to really be able to to spot those kinds of things. Um so I would say that, yes, you need to have something of value. And we all have something of value. We all have some sort of skill set or some sort of asset that we can offer up in return. But it definitely has to be an exchange of value. It can't be asking for things for free. 
you know? Yeah. And I love that you gave examples because obviously bringing an audience to the table is one great way to be able to ask for things. Cause yeah, no matter what it is, you're going to bring your audience with you, right. but there's, there's so many other things that, that people and businesses have to offer. Yeah. Uh, now let's see, now that you sit, you have that thing of value and you figured out, okay, they, they might need this thing of value too, or be attracted to this. I'm going to, I'm going to go in for the ask. Is there a proper way to do it? Or is there a way you can, you can screw it up? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is. There's a proper way and there is a way to screw it up. Yes. Um, I would say that you have to lead with the value that you bring. So I'll give you a good example in the beginning um, of us creating Chic CEO. One of the things that we did in order to grow our audience was email newsletter swaps. So we would find another woman who targeted women and we would do a newsletter swap. But if our list at the time was only 5,000 and her list was 20,000, we would come in and say, okay, we will mail for you four times if you mail for us one time so that we had a balance of value. You know, we weren't just going to come in and say, hey, email, you know, your list of 100,000 and we'll email our list of 1,000. That doesn't, that's not balanced. It didn't feel right. So that is something that we did is that we came in with as much value as we were asking for, if not more because it makes it easier for people to say yes. And we also would open the door to say, if there's anything else that you need, or if this doesn't sound right, we're open to ideas. Um, but usually if we came with as much value as possible, it was super easy for everybody to say yes. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And you already mentioned a couple examples of how you used this kind of principle to grow your business. Mm -hmm. You were able to get event space. You were able to grow your audience with somebody else's newsletter. What are some other ways uh, CEOs and founders might apply this to, to grow their business or, or their own personal brand? Yeah. So I think really the value in making an unreasonable request is to stretch ourselves into thinking bigger and to stretch ourselves into making asks that we need to be making for our businesses. Um, making an unreasonable request is incredibly exciting. Um, it's pretty thrilling, especially when you get a yes. Um, so there's just that personal like fun that comes with it. But as the leader of your company or your brand, you need to be out there kind of doing some unreasonable things. There is not a, a very, there's not a successful person out there that hasn't done something completely unreasonable in the pursuit of their ambitions, right? You, we obviously don't want to hurt anybody or anything like that. That's not what I mean. But, you know, being able to stretch yourself into asking for something that seems crazy is a skill that can absolutely leapfrog you to towards your goals, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think one of the main factors that often kind of hinders a, a business's growth or a, an entrepreneur's growth is those limiting beliefs, the, the fear of asking for things because they just assume it's going to be a no. Who's going to want to do business with them? Who's going to want to, to buy from them? Uh, so do you have any strategies that you've, that you've taught or that you can, you can talk about to kind of get over those limiting beliefs? Yeah, so you bring up the word fear around it, and that's, that's a really good point is people get really um, afraid or worked up to ask for something big. 
And what I tell them is that getting a yes or a no is simply just data and that it's not personal. It doesn't mean you're the world's worst person ever. It just means that maybe you didn't bring enough value to the table. So a yes or a no is simply just data for you to refine or optimize or change your request. Um, it's not a it's not a personal thing against you, and that helps me when I'm about to make a big ask. Is to remember that it's literally just data. They if if it's a no, that that just means that it wasn't the right ask. It doesn't mean that I'm a terrible person. So that helps me, and it's helped a lot of my clients uh, when I've coach people on this, you know, or tell people to make some unreasonable requests is that this is the way to kind of get over that fear a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that we're, we're on this topic. One of my kind of mentors, Dan Henry, uh, I, I, he once tagged me in a picture of his books and I'm like, what's your number one recommended book? And it ended up being a series of dating and pickup books for how to pick up women. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, interesting. But like, you know, I'll give it a shot. And the kind of the underlying message here was, was this, it's approach anxiety as they call it in the books, but it's the same thing. It's the, the fear of rejection yeah. and kind of the best way to get over it is to get used to the no and to take it in as data. The, the no is exactly like you said, it's, it's data. It's okay. How can I refine? How can I offer more value? How can I set myself up mm-hmm. to get a different result the next time? And the more you get used to putting yourself into that situation, the easier it's going to be time and time again. Yeah. Uh, so dating books, go figure. <laughs> um, but anybody who's listening. Well, you know, what's interesting too is that when I, I, I call this borrowing someone's confidence, my my friend Jody and I, we, we started doing this um, mostly as a way to make ourselves giggle. You know, it was a way to entertain ourselves. We're like, this there's no way somebody's going to say yes to this. We're totally going to do it, you know, and it was a form of entertainment for us that actually started to work. So we kind of borrowed each other's confidence through that too, which was helpful. You know, we knew that at the end of the day, it would just be us still in our office giggling about it later um, if they said no, but it turns out most of the time they were saying yes, it's just, made it even more fun for us. So sometimes you can borrow the confidence of, of someone else that you're working with or, or team up with somebody to, to make it a little easier, <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. And you know, <laughs> I love how you framed the exercise that you did too. It was like you and your friend and making these wild requests that if they say no, of course they said no, it's a wild request. Yeah. And if they said yes, it's a big win that you can celebrate. So there's really, there's, I mean, it's, a, it's, yeah. There, there's no losing. No. And you, you made it fun. You have, you know, somebody who you're doing this with and you framed it yeah. as something that is a game. Yeah. Something that's not going to hurt your ego if they say no. Right. And if they say yes, huge celebration. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if you've ever you know, thought of it like that or if other people are thinking, oh, I'm just going to go make these crazy requests by myself. And mm-hmm. But if you if you frame it in such a way that, yeah, I'm going to make these crazy requests. If they say no, you know, of course. If they say yes, awesome. Yeah, and that's a that's a really cool way to put it. Yeah, we we ha- we had a great time um, when we were hosting our networking events. We decided to because we were in San Diego at the time. We decided to expand them into New York, and so we had a counterpart there, and we kind of told her how we were running them back in San Diego, and said, "Okay, this is how we ask for it. This is what we do." So 
she went and found our venue for our very first New York event. And it was a rooftop bar on a hotel in Times Square that hadn't even opened yet. Their grand opening was the next night. They paid for the food. They paid for the cocktail. They paid for the space. We just showed up, collected the registration from all hundred of those women, pure profit, and had an amazing event in the middle of Times Square for essentially for, well, not for free, but for monetarily free. I mean, it was incredible. And she, she was like, did I do that right? And we're like, yes, you absolutely <laughs> did that right. Way to go. But it was valuable for them to have all of these women, you know, come to their rooftop bar the night before the grand opening to learn that they were there. So it really was, it really is about the value of it. But, oh my gosh, it turned out so incredibly amazing. But who would ever think that somebody would say yes to that? Nope. Yeah. You wouldn't know unless you asked. And could you, I mean, can you believe that they did say yes? So that goes back to, you will get a yes more often than you will get a no. You will. I mean, you absolutely 100% will get a no if you don't ask. If you ask. Yeah. Especially when you're bringing an audience of C- of entrepreneurs and CEOs with yes. you. I bet it's a lot of yeses. Yes. It was great. It was great. I went to Bali yeah. to go to computer coding camp for two months on my honeymoon. I mean, all sorts of unreasonable requests that have been incredible. Yeah. It's- so now, now that you say that, you've got me thinking about some unreasonable requests that I've made over the years. Uh, so back in my social media influencer days, uh, I was a big uh, like medical school influencer. We, we moved into a new New York City apartment. And obviously everything there is a, a fortune. So we were trying to furnish our apartment for free. So me and my <laughs> and my friend messaged like a hundred furniture companies on Instagram mm-hmm. and got like twenty thousand dollars worth of free furniture. German made our house like oh, wow. bars and tables and couches, and <laughs> it, it's exactly like you said. Like, well, who would have thought they were never going to reach out to us? Like, let's see if we can get some furniture. Yeah, and they furnished our entire apartment. Yeah. It's, it's it's such a cool principle, and I definitely urge people to do it. But like you said in the beginning of this. You got to have some some kind of value to offer, yeah. and an audience is one of the best forms of value that you can bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so figuring out how to build one and bring them with you is huge, yeah. absolutely huge. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of switching gears a little because I, I do love this topic, and for everyone that uh, wants to, to dive deeper into it, definitely uh, follow Stephanie and her column. But Stephanie, you also write for Forbes uh, Entrepreneur uh, and Today the Today Show or Today dot com Today yeah dot com. Very cool. Uh, a lot, a lot of people listening to this right now are interested in PR, interested in marketing, interesting, in, interested in media. Maybe want to write or want to get featured in some of these publications. So, would love to hear some of your advice on one how how you got started and how other people can get started actually contributing mm-hmm. for these top tier publications like Forbes. Yeah. And then, kind of switching gears as a as a journalist, do you get a lot of pitches? And what is the best way to kind of Pitch a journalist at Forbes. Yeah, I get a lot of pitches. I probably get pitched I bet. 30 to 40 times a day. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but so in order to contribute, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of hard to find a, a column lately unless you really have something super interesting to talk about, right? I try as much as I can to talk about unreasonable requests in my, my writing. Um, I don't find very many people that are out there making them 
in order for me to write about them. So I usually write about female entrepreneurship. But, you know, I think the best thing to do is just to pitch something super interesting, super different, um, really dig down into your niche, what you're an expert on, because that's what these columns are. For Forbes, they call them swim lanes. So we have to stay within our swim lane. So, you know, I might get pitched on somebody that wants to talk about cryptocurrency or politics or something. That's really not my swim lane. So I have to pass it on. Um, so they're really looking for your expertise in a very niche subject. So make sure that you're not trying to um, talk or write broadly, I would say, is my best piece of advice. My second piece yeah. of advice is to start publishing wherever you can before that, um, you know, places like Medium or um, Substack or something like that, just to get your work out there. You know, people want to talk about blogging a lot, you know, on my blog, on my blog. Well, nobody's reading your blog, but there's millions of people on Medium reading. So blog there. I barely blog on my own websites anymore. Why would I do that when I can blog on my Forbes column? You know what I'm saying? So um, if you can't get a contributorship somewhere right away, don't let that stop you from contributing to places like Thrive Global or the Men's Project or Medium or any other place to show that you have the chops to write for a bigger publication. Um, and then in terms of pitching, I have a lot to say about this, actually. <laughs> Thank you for asking. No, I'm excited. Um, so in terms of pitching to... Um, contributors. It's a little different. It just, in my view, it's a little different pitching to contributors than it is to pitching a staff writer. So if you're pitching to a contributor, somebody like me, my main job isn't my column, right? It's not my main revenue stream. It's not my job. It is um, something that I love to do. I do get paid, but I don't get paid <laughs> very much. So, um, you have to remember that when you're pitching a contributor who owns a business, they don't want to sit down with you and have an hour-long call about you and your business. They don't have time. So you can't I, – I get reached out by publicists all the time that say, oh, I have the CEO of this person. Can I schedule a 15-minute call? No, you can't. I'm absolutely not going to do that, 1,000%. Am I not going to waste my time doing that? I won't. I can't. Now, a staff writer whose full-time job is to do stuff like that may say yes to that kind of a pitch. So make sure that your pitch is different for a contributor like myself. Your, that pitch needs to be much more fleshed out. I want you to come with topic ideas. Headline ideas would even be awesome. Bullet points. Images. I just told somebody recently, I just did another kind of call like this, bring me all the beads, bring me all the string, bring me the box, the packaging, the wrapping paper, and I will make the bracelet. I will put it in the box. I will wrap it and make a gift for you, but you got to bring me all the stuff. I'm not going to sit on the phone for an hour to ask you the questions about your background. I'm not going to come up with the angles for you. I don't have that kind of time. I, like you said, I publish upwards of 20-ish times a month. That's almost every business day. So I, I, I don't have the time to spend six, seven hours on every single one of those. You come to me with all of that stuff, it makes it a lot easier for someone like me to say yes to your pitch if you 
come with a really interesting angle. You give me all the pieces, I can make something from that. So that's my biggest piece of advice um, is, is to remember that a staff writer and a contributor are, are very, very different. The other thing that I would say about that too is that if you're pitching somebody, you have to come just like with unreasonable requests, you have to come with some value too, right? What do I want as a contributor? There's a few things. I want something super awesome and relevant and teachable to my readers, right? I want them to have some value and I want eyeballs on my pieces. So come to me and say, I have a social media following of a hundred thousand. I, you know, my email newsletter list has 50,000 on it. I'll send out a newsletter when it goes live. I'll post it on social. I've even had some people run ads to it. You don't have to go that far, but that was very sweet. You know what I'm saying? So be my partner in promotion. Let me know that you're going to promote the piece, that you're going to get it out there as much as you can too, because you cannot pay a contributor to publish about you, right? That's unethical. We can't do that. So how do I get paid? I get paid from the traffic to my piece. So the best way you can thank me is to get traffic to my piece. So come with that too, right? Come with all the promotion ideas. Um, I've had people run contests, you know, read read my four tips and um, comment here and tell me what you learned and I'll give you a free one-on-one session or something like that. That was really creative too. So um, that's, those are my two biggest pieces of advice for pitching. Those are a great piece of advice and something that we practice as well is make your job as easy as possible, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Sometimes even giving them completed pieces and say, hey, this is totally original. It's pretty much done. Yeah. Uh, is this something that you could feel comfortable putting your name behind? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes we've had a lot of success with that. Mm-hmm. And the the promotional aspect, absolutely. The ads thing is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that we might try on our end. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. No, I mean, it's not, you don't need to do it, but I was like, oh, that's creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I bet you, you'll work with them again. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so Stephanie, this is Mentors Collective. Uh, so I usually end every episode at the same series of questions. Uh, number one, I would love to know who your top mentor is, both personally, someone you know actually in person, and then virtually. Who do you follow that you look up to, consume their content, and aspire? Uh, right now, um, I'm pretty. I, I do like Dan Henry's stuff. I will say, I, I I've read his one of his books. I really enjoyed it. Um, Josh Nelson, I like his stuff too. This is the agency model stuff, you know. Um, that's in terms of business. I will say Mike McCallowitz, I read all of his stuff. Brilliant. Um, the Pumpkin Project or Pumpkin Plan, I think. Profit First, all of that stuff for business. Um, and then, per, like personally, I'm loving Glennon Doyle. Anything by Glennon Doyle, I'll read and listen to. And then, per, like, personally slash professionally, um, Nicole McDonald, who is my, my coach. She is, uh, absolutely incredible. She's kind of flies under the radar, but she's got a multi-million dollar business. Um, she invented a, a purse. She invented a purse as a single mom and has grown it from just her, um, into this multi-million dollar business. One of her lead advisors is, um, the founder of UGG and wow. yeah, and she's just, I mean, she's just incredible. So she is probably my, 
my biggest, um, you know, my, I have big starry eyes for her. So those are the I love that. I'm listening to and following and, and loving right now. Yeah. All right. Some new names in there. I'll be sure to check some of them out. And then the final question is number one book that's inspired you through your career. Oh, I, I have to say, um, Profit First is probably my, the book that I recommend the most at this time. E-Myth, I think was early on in my career has always kept me inspired in creating systems and, um, those kinds of things. But I think that Mike McCullowitz with Profit First and now Clockwork, um, has kind of usurped E-Myth, but yeah, he's definitely my fave. That's a new one for me. So that's definitely one I'll check out. Hopefully they have an audio book. They do. So good. And he's funny. He's funny too. So it's good. That helps. (laughs) Good. That'll make it easier to listen to. Uh, So Stephanie, I know you've got a a very active column on Forbes. For everyone listening, definitely go check that out and subscribe to Stephanie on Forbes. But uh, for anyone listening, where's the best place to maybe get in touch with you, maybe send you a pitch with some, some, some beads and strings yeah. <laughs> and uh, follow up with after the show. Sure. Just go to stephanie-burns.com and you can find all my, my info there. Nice and easy. I'll link all of that in the, in the show notes here. And Stephanie, it was so awesome to meet you. Uh, I, again, I want to thank you for your time and coming onto the show and sharing a, a unique message. Um, the unreasonable requests is fun. That's something that I'm going to continue to apply. And I hope all of the listeners apply it in their lives and their business. And I hope you found some value here. Stephanie, thank, thank you so much. Thank you, Jay. That was fun. You guys, if you loved this episode, do me a favor and click on the link in the description and head over to our exclusive mentors collective Facebook community where I post every single day. And I give tons of value that I do not post in this podcast. Seriously, if you love this show, you are not going to want to miss that group. You'll also be able to connect with me personally, ask questions, and get access to a ton of free resources that I give out. All right, guys, again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace out, mentors.